This is The Shift Podcast. The Shift Daily Podcast has Garth Mullins, part two of our conversation about opioids. I do ask that you share this with your friends after you listen to it. If you haven't heard it yet, or if you're looking for part one, that's okay. Listen to them out of order. It doesn't matter. But you get both parts on these podcasts with The Shift. Opioids is a conversation we all need to make normal for us to have. Also on the podcast, Chris Gilbert checks in from Tokyo with the International Dispatch South Africa, their tax agency. You won't believe the name. And in order to fix their problems, they just want to change the internet, not their website. Good News Tuesday on the podcast as well. And how about some recipes with our favorite craft dinner? It's all on the Shift Daily Podcast. We started some conversation about opioids. We were inspired by a conversation from Derek, one of our shift heads up in Edmonton. We were also inspired by Elijah Pitts County, who rode his bike, the cycle to stop the harm from Saskatoon all the way to Vancouver. Your comments, your questions about opioid deaths going up through COVID. We were uncomfortable with it before COVID, really uncomfortable with it now. And that conversation got us started. So thank you. You've created this. Now, all of this started with conversation with Garth Mullins last night. And Garth shared that he is an ex-heroin user. And the way he goes through life is mourning the death of his friends. He shared with us many pieces of his puzzle about what life is like with opioids, living with it, who has it, who uses, and who doesn't. And so the conversation that we started with Garth was very, very long. So we've split it into these two pieces because we couldn't fit it into one normal hour of the show. So what I wanted to introduce to you tonight was the second part of that conversation. If you didn't hear the first part, that's okay. Please go to the Shift Daily Podcast. It's on there. In fact, it's there for you to listen to, and you don't have to listen to these in order, but I can tell you that you can listen to them separately and still get the same effect. So please now sit back, and I do, with my whole heart, ask you to be very present to this conversation about the impact of opioids on our lives in places that we would never know where they're happening and why. Here's part two of my conversation, opioids, Garth Mullins on The Shift. So this all started in 1908 when they made opium illegal. And before then, people weren't shooting heroin. People were smoking opium which is a, a much, much uh, softer version. And if, if I, you could wave, wave a magic wand and just have people smoke opium again, God, we would uh, reduce all the, uh, all the deaths. We would reduce all the problems, you know, but it's, it's because they made it illegal that people had to make something smaller. Same thing with alcohol prohibition. Everyone had a beer until alcohol prohibition. And then you got moonshine because people got to transport it around. So you need a smaller volume, bigger bang for the buck, yep. all that. So the harder the police chase after the whole uh, uh, drug ecosystem, the stronger and smaller the drugs get. And so, you know, I, in my lifetime, I've seen us gone, go from just regular heroin to what they call China white, which was kind of strong heroin to fentanyl to, I mean, what car fentanyl, it's just like, it's an arms race. Everybody seems to imagine that legalizing means kind of like it did with pot. I mean, explosion of stores on every corner. And that means you can go buy heroin just, you know, out of your, your corner bodega. So I think that that's also an assumption. And I had fentanyl after surgery once and they asked me, they said, would you be comfortable with 
um, you know, fentanyl. And I was like, well, <laughs> did you get it in an alley? And they're like, no, no, it's the proper stuff. And, uh, and I was like, well, is it safe? She goes, when we administer it this much for this purpose, this is what it's supposed to be used for. I was like, okay, then fine. And then, so I came out of my surgery. How's your pain? Uh, it was nasty pain. And she says, if it's okay with you, we'll push the fentanyl now. And I was like, yeah. And I got to tell you, that was probably the most awesome seven seconds of my life. I was (laughs) asleep very quickly. But that moment was where I went, okay, I get it. Uh-huh. I understand why somebody would seek that out. Um, it must be difficult to go through this process. As you said, more socialization. It was so, more social isolation. Um, and you're dealing with the deaths of friends and community members consistently. How hard is it for you when you put your head down on the desk, you're listening to Disturbed, the sound of silence is hitting you. And so you're trying to be an advocate. You're standing up in this world today. You've got your podcast, the Crackdown Podcast. You're trying to be a leader in your community. And yet you're stepping into this war at the shittiest time of all, right? Like it is the most isolated through COVID. It is the most isolated socially with social media. And yet you're trying to do this now. And you're still going through your thing. So what's that experience like? Yeah, I mean, I I don't lie. January has been hard. You know, we've had a lot of losses around here. I was just telling you about Ron, but there's there's been we've been taking a lot of hits, and it's. I think a lot of people are finding this month pretty hard, and I know a lot of people have lost people. Uh, not just the overdose crisis, but just um, you know, the pandemic has put a lot of strain on people's relationships. Um, you know, some people are, are marriages are splitting up. Um, you know, having kids at home, it's like a lot of work, a lot of pressure. I I don't have kids, but, but, uh, it's tough, you know? Um, but on the other hand, I, I, the drug war has been with me my whole life. People have been dying since I was a teenager. Like I've just always known I've been to, must've been 10 or 20 times as many funerals, probably more than weddings. Like I've been to a, enough uh, weddings I could count on one hand. I can't count the number of funerals. I, I gave up trying to count the amount of people I know that are gone, you know? So uh, I feel like I've been training for the pandemic my whole life. So when it happened, I was just like, Oh yeah, here's just another layer of uh, you know, of crisis on top of the layers of crisis that just keep building up. And um, I didn't start doing this during the pandemic. I've been doing uh, uh, like advocating for, these kind of measures since before this current overdose crisis started, you know, when it started here in BC, they officially acknowledged it starting in 2016 in the spring, but it seemed to me it was around for a few years before that because I I was, uh, I was using heroin during the last overdose crisis in the nineties in Vancouver. And um, you know, it's just, I guess, how does it feel? It just feels like, uh, like this horrible sense of predictable vertigo. Like you're standing on the edge of a cliff, but you just know you're walking up to it. And you're just like, oh, are we all going to get pushed over this completely predictable cliff? Like, do we have to all do this? So uh, it's it's like, um, yeah, it's a weird mix of things, I guess. We call the audience members shift heads here on the shift. 
And um, what can I do? What can they do? To what can I do? So Garth, I'm not around this. I mean, maybe I am. I know my friends pretty well. I try to live authentically with my friends every day. But what can I do? I mean, in all of this, I mean, if you called me and out of the blue and you're like, Shane, I'm lonely today. Today's the day it hit me. I can listen to you, Garth. But in my life, if I'm going to live into this all day, every day, you know, for Derek, who had a friend who was struggling and asking for help, what can I do? So if you, if you know somebody in your life who's, uh, who's wired and you're worried because the drug supply is contaminated, um, pressuring them to quit or get into a 12-step program is not helpful. Um, I know that 12-step programs and abstinence have worked for some people, and uh, I certainly tried uh, a lot, right? And, and they, they probably still will work for some people. But what they told me at 12-step is, it's okay, don't, don't worry. I know, you know, you get a few, a few days clean, as, as, they, as they call it, and you kind of you relapse and you come back to the group and you start your count over again. And they say, don't worry, it's part of the deal. Like, you're just going to have to keep coming back. You're going to have to keep trying. And that was okay for me because that was happening in a time when um, the drug supply wasn't as lethal. But right now, you don't get to keep coming back to anything. Every day is dangerous. So anything that's uh, like a long-term plan, um, that's, that's nice and for sure something to think about. But what you need is the immediate thing. So make sure your friend or loved one knows what naloxone is and has it. Learn it yourself. Everybody in, the, in North America should learn and, and have naloxone, just part of your medication, your medication kit, because the numbers are so, uh, so, so large of people who are, are using opioids and people who are dying of overdose. Um, and, um, you know, you can get training online. You can get these things in a lot of jurisdictions just from your pharmacy. It's not hard. Um, there's even, um, uh, nasal, uh, naloxone. So you just shoot it up somebody's nose. So it's, it's not very hard. Uh, the other thing you could do is just be supportive of the person to get whatever prescription version of what they're doing, the closest thing to it from a pharmacy instead of from a drug dealer. And that varies from place to place. Some places it's like Suboxone and Methadone, which are kind of distant cousins from, you know, fentanyl or, or whatever opioid people might be doing. Um, you know, if they're doing stimulants, there aren't, aren't really uh, those, those kind of things available, those equivalents available very much. Some places you can get um, other kinds of prescriptions like hydromorphone or something, but the best thing to do is whatever, whatever they can get is get them on that. And it might not entirely replace uh, the, whatever they're doing, whatever they're buying off the street, but it could replace a bunch of it. It could replace some of it and that reduces the risk. So, I mean, that's what, that's what I tell people to do when people call me and say, Oh my God, I, what treatment center should I get my kid into? I'm just like, you know, I've seen that road. And, um, you know, people, it takes a bunch of trips to a bunch of treatment centers and the treatment centers find out that you've used and they kick you out, which is to me, uh, like wild that (laughs) you have this, they call it substance use disorder. 
they say it's a chronic relapsing disease. Like you will, you will have outbreaks of your disease periodically. Um, and so when you go somewhere to get treated for your disease and you have a predictable, at least in their view, outbreak of the disease, they'll kick you out. <laughs> it makes no sense to me. So yeah, I do not tell people to go there because I just, and I, I'd love to give a more heartwarming message about that or a less um, <laughs> polarizing message, but I can't. Like I'm, I tell you, people ask me all the time and that's what I say, get naloxone training and find the closest molecule to the thing that they're doing with them that comes from pharmacy or somewhere where you know the quantity, you know the strength, you know what's going on with that and try and get them on that. And they're like, but that doesn't solve the whole problem. And I'm like, well, this depends what you think the problem is. For me, the problem is that people are dying. Right Right now, uh, this morning, like a couple hours before we talked, I took my methadone and I do that every morning. And methadone is basically a synthetic opioid, which is what heroin is, is is an opioid, right? So it's like, I am going to be the guy that is taking opioids pretty much every day of my adult life or since I was a teenager or whatever. And that's okay. Like I'm going to, um, I'm doing a doctoral program at UBC and I got a union job right now. I'm doing all right. You know, you don't need to get people into this unicorn rainbow land of, of abstinence or something like that. Just to a place where people can have more self-determination in their life and not die. Uh, in my writing, Garth, I always share that in existential study, you learn very quick that the foundation of everything we do in our lives is don't die today. Everything we do, right? We go to the grocery store, we get extra groceries. Why? So we don't go hungry, so we don't die today. We keep our friends right. around so we're not lonely. I have My house has never been broken into, Garth. Never. In my entire life, I've never had somebody come into my house and steal anything. And at night when mm-hmm. I go to bed, I will get out of my bed and I will go, oh, did I lock the door? And I will go downstairs and I will lock the doors, double check them, triple check them sometimes because I can be a little obsessive. Come back upstairs, go back to bed. Now I have the peace of mind to go to sleep. The reason why I do that is because my brain is saying, don't die today. It's just fear. Right. Right. And so is it possible that if we could just think of this to your point that we all live in don't die today in our own way, that if we could all think of this occurrence as yes, do we wish nobody did drugs? Yes. Do we wish that we had this magic ability to just, you know, do some drugs, get high, you know, go play billiards with our friends, go home and everybody's safe? Yes, I'm sure. But if everybody could just think of this from the perspective of what if we could just get through this, don't die today, and try again tomorrow, does that help? It definitely, it definitely helps. You know, when you think about the people who go play billiards, and um, that's most of the people who use drugs. And in fact, uh, the coroner did a study out here. That's most of the people who die too. You know, it's not people like me who are the, the everyday people. It's the weekend warriors. You know, that made up 60% of um, all the people they looked at who died of overdose in 2017 here around Vancouver. So uh, it's, it's like, you know, when, it's, when the drug supply is so um, inconsistent and at the same time lethal, it means it could hit anybody. Uh, you know, so I agree that the don't die today is, that's the key problem, right? Like I, I don't 
Some people call it an opioid crisis. I don't think so. I think it's an overdose crisis. You know, like I think it's a dead people crisis, not a people using drugs crisis. Uh, so like my, my solutions are aimed at giving people um, the chance to be alive and to have more control and self-determination. And I think everybody tries to do that, right? Everybody, like you're right, you're, you're locking the door analogy is perfect. I think about when people get in their car, you're like, people are listening to this show and probably driving right now. And I bet you're wearing a seatbelt, right? And you did that not because you think, oh, if I wear a seatbelt, I can drive like a maniac and this will solve every kind of road risk or fatality or motor vehicle accident. You're like, no, this just reduces things. This gives me a little more chance. That's what harm reduction is, right? It is. So if you think of your, your safe injection site and you complain, oh, there's still litter in the street or there's still homelessness or something, you're getting it wrong because a safe injection site isn't supposed to, or a safe consumption site in Alberta isn't supposed to solve that. It's supposed to do one or two things. It's supposed to be the not die this time place and the not transmit HIV or hep C place. That's it. And you know what? They are more effective at those goals, which are their stated and funded goals than just about any medical intervention in the history of medical interventions. Right? So when you do up your seatbelt, think, why would I take this opportunity away from somebody else? You know, why would I give myself the benefit of a doubt, like I will put my seatbelt on and I'll still drive the speed limit or whatever it is, you know, like, like, and I won't expect I'll still be a cautious driver, right? Like I'll, st- I won't expect that all road hazards are taken away by doing the seatbelt up. Why would you then change your thinking entirely uh, when you think about a safe consumption yeah. site? You, you wouldn't, right? Like, it's just, it's just that uh, drug users have been thought of as these, like we are people external to society, you know, we're like some kind of zombies or whatever that are outside of the wire and um and that's why you can kind of think of us in a different logic you know psychology part must be a big part hey going and just kind of digging into the the dark spaces or does that get too scary and make you want to relapse and use more i mean because i would imagine from what i've learned that um you know the way to you know sort of cause an effect or you know the band-aid or the bleeding um you know, digging into some of those stories in your particular case, you said, you know, you were a young person who got influenced by someone who shouldn't have been influencing kids and, you know, the stories and memories and all the things wrapped around that. Influence, influence is like, a, I mean, they were a bad, they were a bad okay. person. <laughs> you know what I mean? They didn't, they were, uh, yeah, like uh, maybe, maybe call the police. Okay. Understood. Bad. Okay. Yeah. But still, um, you know, you carry that stuff with you today. Is that a big piece of the puzzle? Like, you know, trying to at least close the loop on those nasty, you know, people? Yeah. I mean, I I think that I used to just try to not look at that stuff for a very long time. And the podcast has been really good for me because I have to disclose stuff on on the show. You know, we make radio documentaries about all kinds of aspects of uh, of the life. And so I have to talk about mine and, um, it's made me turn around and start looking through this, um, like road case full of ghosts that I've been dragging around and, uh, uh, letting some of them go and taming them, um, you know, and so they can't, uh, come and scare me at night and haunt me in the day. So, uh, it's, yeah, that's been good. Um, and you want to be careful about that. You know, I think the thing that's more um, of a threat to me is the, is the constant grief and mourning of losing people. 
and I've been uh, over since last summer, I've been struggling for sure of, of how to do that. And I, I'm, I, you know, like I am not always successful at, um, at being uh, just on methadone. Right. So it's like, I haven't, I'm not like the comeback kid who had this rough patch and now I'm like a poster child or something like that. I'm just like in this middle ground, you know, um, the, the doctor that prescribes me methadone said to me a month or two ago, she said, she was looking at my chart, you know, and she said, wow, you just, you just used methadone and a lot of drugs all the time for years and years and years and years. So there wasn't this nice switch. It was a slow transition, you know, and I, I'm 95% of the way there, but, uh, things can go bad, you know, and I can still, I can still, uh, you know, fall outside of the methadone wagon. And I think that's probably true for a lot of people. So I don't want to like gaslight anybody into thinking there's this, um, the movie's over the credits roll. It's, it's happy times, you know, like it's, it's just like, you just try to manage things. I think a lot of people lead their lives that way. They just try to keep a relative equilibrium. Why? So, yeah, I do. I would, uh, I would offer to you that, you know, something as simple as kindness in the world or having a temper, uh, not to diminish your point by any means, but to hopefully connect it to everybody who's never used drugs. You know, the, the journey of kindness and being kind to your partner or favorite people in the world and reacting in a situation when someone says something that sort of pisses you off or, you know, gets you uncomfortable. You know, when someone says something and when people do the awkward laugh, because <laughs> they don't know how to deal with it. Mm-hmm. I was given a, my, my buddy Brian told me this phrase. He said, there's no top to the mountain. Like the, as soon as you can accept that there's no top to the mountain, you can realize that there's no finish line that you're actually going to get to. Like this is a task you're taking on for the rest of your life. And in the be something as simple as be kind to other people, if that has no top to the mountain, right? It's something you're actually going to work on for the rest of your life. I mean, that becomes a connective place where we all realize as human beings that there is never going to be a top to the mountain until the light goes out. And so we're all working on these same things all the time. And it sort of takes the morality, that perspective I find takes the morality of the drug user off of it. We're all in the same place, whether it's just be nice to the bank teller or don't eat too many cheeseburgers or don't have too much whiskey, or it's, I chose methadone to get through my day today. It seems like we're all in the same place of there is no top to the mountain. And here we are, just a bunch of people trying to get through the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's funny that metaphor. You know, my I have had this feeling like there's no bottom to the ocean, and I oh, can that's drown. Interesting. You know, I could just drown in trauma and mourning and grief, and just like go down and down and down below where there's light, where the pressure is just squishing you, and there's no air in your lungs, and you're just like in this alien place, and then it's just black, and that's it. And I just thought, oh, my God, I'm terrified of that, right? And I kind of realized you don't have to feel all the trauma and mourning and terrible darkness and howling. You don't have to, you don't have to drink the whole ocean of that. You can just float on the top of it. You know, and you get a little wet and you just go over the waves. And human beings are buoyant. If you learn how to float, then you don't drown, And, you know, I can swim. I'm a good swimmer. I can swim in an ocean. I could swim over top of the Marianas Trench or in the swimming pool in someone's apartment backyard. And the depth uh, doesn't make a difference. You know, the 
the four miles of black, scary, inky ocean underneath me. It's not, I don't have to go there, you know? So um, I don't, I don't, I haven't, guess I haven't gotten to the mountain climbing portion of my life yet. And for you to tell me there's no top, yeah. it's, it's really messed up. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> thanks for that. Well, you know what I would say, <laughs> but, but at least today I'm not right? going to drown. Well, yeah. But you know what I would say to that in the spirit of the good conversation would be because there's no top to the mountain. It doesn't mean the view is not beautiful where you are right now. Ah, uh, well right. played, sir. Good save. So yeah, it's true. Right. If, true. We, if yeah. all we focus on is getting to the top, sometimes we don't stop, turn around and look at the beautiful view that we see. Um, yeah, quite but right. I hear the, I hear, I do hear the all in, we're all in one place, man. So I, what you've, what you've given me today, Garth, is you've taken away this morality of bad choices. And what you've given me is just choices. You know, you think about, you think about choice, right? Like I know I've made bad choices, and I know some of my choices were made before me when I was too young to make choices and also by forces later in my adult life that are too powerful for me to make choices. Like if you get arrested, you make no choices after that. You know, everything, when you eat, <laughs> where you shit, uh, who you do that in front of, all that stuff is decided for you. And so I, I always think of choice as this discussion between like what power you have to make choices and then all the other things that are trying to overwrite and delete that choice. And that's a struggle, right? That's, it's not all one or the other, but it's like none of us in our lives are this completely free agent that w what we choose to do is, is what we get to do. I mean, maybe like maybe some billionaires and stuff, you know, Galen Weston or whoever might, might get to choose exactly what he does any day. Um, but most of the rest of us, our choices are made for us. You know, like my choice about when work starts for most of my life was not mine. You know, it was like the shift started at seven or whatever, you know, and, or nine or eight 30. And, you know, like there's a lot of those kind of things. And, and I know people think, well, drugs is different drugs. You pick up that needle and you put it into your arm, but we all do. Like, if you look at your own life and really think about it, your choices, you're not like this rational logic machine robot that makes that makes a pros and cons list of every single thing you eat, consume, do, go to, whatever. You're like me. You know, you're this big walking contradiction of all the crap that's happened to you, all the crap you're worried about happening, and what you're gonna do to get through the day, the the moment. And if you're a drug user, that moment becomes everything because Maybe your past is full of trauma and you can't think about it yet. And maybe your future is full of dope sickness and incarceration. And you don't want to think about that at all. So what you have is you have this hour. And my goal is don't die this hour. And it sounds like such a small goal. Like as a younger person, I dreamed of changing the world, like everything about it. And I still do. But right now it's, like, let's have my friends not die this hour. It's profound. There's so much more I would like to talk to you about. Um, I think I would like to punctuate your statement about we're all a walking contradiction with let's not pretend that Billy's addiction to his social media dopamine hits is not an addiction, right? Let's not pretend because it's on his phone and free 
that it's he's not addicted to the dopamine hit of getting likes online. We all are in that place in some fashion. You know, whether it's mm. we don't talk to our spouse because we watch porn, we don't eat a vegetable because we eat cheeseburgers. It doesn't mean that any one of those things is bad on its own. Um, but these are the choices we make. It's true. They're not, they're not, they're not, it's like, it's, it's not something inherent or internal. It's external. It's because I'm criminalized and the vegetable eater or social media user isn't what they're doing is legal and thus okay with society because the law is how we tell each other and ourselves who's in and who's an outsider, who's to be cast out, you know, who's dangerous. And so that criminalization, the, the fact that I need a certain molecule to not be horribly sick. Like if I didn't take my methadone this morning, talking to me right now, well, you wouldn't be because I would be in the bathroom with it coming out of all ends, you know? <laughs> so it's like, um, uh, like that molecule uh, has laws around it, you know, and a, a molecule that I get from the pharmacy and methadone, that's okay. But a molecule that looks almost the same is illegal. And, and your life is entirely different depending on which one is in your pocket or in your bloodstream, you know? And, and so um, like, that's where I take it back to is this is not, people aren't dying from bad drugs so much as they're dying from bad drug policy. So, you know, I, I, I remember uh, February, like we're coming up in BC on the one year anniversary. I think it was just, just today of the first COVID case. And when COVID came here, no one knew what to do. There was no vaccine. I mean, I haven't gotten the vaccine yet. I don't know when I'm going to get it. But there has been a vaccine for the overdose crisis for 100 years. And it's just pharmaceutical grade opioids of a known quantity and known strength. And if someone who's doing fentanyl that could die could just switch to diacetylmorphine, which is just, you know, pharmaceutical grade heroin or whatever, you end the problem overnight. Not only the, the don't die this hour problem. But the organized crime, the petty crime, the, all the things that probably bother some of your listeners right now, you know, like if things in your neighborhood are, are, are irritating you to do with drug use, all that stuff, that is not like an individual that's out of control or a bunch. That's a set of laws that don't work, that are trying to control what molecule goes into what bloodstream and have failed for a century. But we've been all sold these uh, movies and TV shows and news broadcasts for so long that it's very hard to shake that off. That's that's also um, the addiction to get rid of. It's the ideological idea. Well, the irony. It is a human-made problem. The irony of this, as we finish, is very simple. The petty crime, the organized crime, all the things that you just spoke of are the exact reasons why I get up and lock my door at night, even though nothing has ever happened to me. And so wouldn't it be a nice world if we all were able to take a look at that, because I tell you what, it sure would make a lot different in the way we look at all the pieces of don't die today. Uh, yeah, you could you could take the gasoline out of the engine of organized crime tomorrow. We could end the overdose crisis and we could just diminish the whole black market overnight by what politicians write on a piece of paper. It's, it's this this is the irony is this is such a huge problem with such simple solutions. Garth Mullins, um, the podcast is called Crackdown Podcast. I, I'm going to spend some time with the podcast here because the, the change and twist in perspective for me is remarkable. I feel less naive and actually more empowered in the conversation that I did because I learned that it's not about drugs, it's about humans. And, um, 
and you've given me that today. Thank you for being here. And I, I right. would like to uh, bring you back and just keep this conversation alive in general, uh, because I think it does, frankly, it, it transcends even beyond just drugs and just people looking in the mirror at their lives every day. And I think it's a great example. Well, I'm going to go read some Camus and Sartre so I can get up with you on the existentialism. Right. I'll send you a book. We'll get you, we'll get you looking at the view on the mountain, brother. Thank you so much. <laughs> All right. Thanks a lot, Shane. It was great. This is the Shift Podcast. Now, on a lighter side of everything we do here on the Shift, because our commitment here inside the integrity of what our intention is on the show is very simple. Real life stuff. So that's the heavy stuff. That also is the fun stuff. And so we get to breathe and be with both of those. So I invite you to be with me in let's just get playful and have some fun and check in with the International Dispatch. Welcome to the International Dispatch from our world citizen. Live from Japan, New Zealand's Chris Gilbert. He's the only guy that we hear anywhere around the world. <laughs> He's the only guy that we know across the ocean. <laughs> Uh, Sir Christopher Gilbert joins friend. us here on The Shift to check in and see how is life in Tokyo. Life in Tokyo is blossoming, literally. It's um, it not, not cherry blossoms yet. I was just uh, telling telling you earlier, Shane, that it's the plum blossoms that are coming first. Right. So you, you see the plum blossoms, it means it's starting to get warmer, that spring yeah. is coming. And then um, a month or two afterwards, you get, you get the, the sakura, you get the cherry blossoms, so... The, the plum blossoms are, are, you know, not quite so fleshy. They're more understated. They're more humble. You know, their, their egos are a bit more in check, but, you know, they're still pretty. So. <laughs> yeah. And the cherry blossoms are super when they come out. They're the best. Yeah, they're fabulous. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Fabulous. Yeah, they make a loud noise. <laughs> um, but no, really, the, the, the cherry blossoms are, are, are like, um, absolutely spectacular. And so short-lived, thus is their beauty. But no, I think things are really good here. We had a we had a um a ho there's a holiday here on the second and third of February called Sitsubon. and Sitsubon's really interesting because um I love it's Sits a whole bunch of I love of Cinnabon. Things. I get it at the mall all the time. Well, it's not about buns; it's about buns, and I'm not going to go into where that comes from. But it's about throwing beans at demons, effectively. Oh goodness! So um. Yeah, so Dad puts on an, uh, a demon mask and, and, and tries to break into the house, and the kids throw beans at him and uh, try and make him run away, thus casting away evil spirits and uh, heralding the start of spring. Oh, that's nice. And I you know, I know that it seems to me to be the most reasonable thing to do. When I, when I think, I'm like, I'm ready for spring. Here, throw some beans. Yeah, no, I, I, that's what I think when I want to get rid of someone. Well, throw some beans. Here's some beans, is peasant. It, is it in the can still? <laughs> like, do we need stitches? Yeah, so, the opener? <laughs> no, well, no, they're not. Oh, they're not, not. No, it's not like a can of kidney beans. You're not going to like throw oh. juices at them. It's like it's like dry. <laughs> do you strain them before you throw them? <laughs> it's not baked beans. It, they're like dry raw beans. So like oh. pre cooked. Right. Yeah. You also eat a huge sushi roll. This is it's called ihomaki or ehomaki. It's a really, really long, like California roll, and you have to point the lucky direction, which I think this year was south southeast, 165 degrees, and you have to eat the whole thing. It's about a foot long, and you have to eat the whole thing without stopping um, to have a to have a good lucky year. <laughs> That's what I did yesterday. This is interesting. Um, 
That, that's amazing. 877-399-9898. Now, this segment will rerun in a couple of hours in some of the markets. So know that if it's like 5, 4 a.m. where you are, um, that it's live in Toronto right now at 4 a.m., but in a couple of hours, it's going to rerun at 4 a.m. in Vancouver. So this, if you Google this, it may be right, it may be wrong. But um, someone is asking on text, Catherine, to say, what time is it there in Tokyo? Um, at the moment, Catherine, it is 9 past 6 p.m. in the future. Tomorrow. Wednesday. Thursday. Yeah. Wednesday. Wednesday. <laughs> Wednesday. Wednesday. Same day. But Wednesday. Same several day. hours ahead. Yeah. All right. So now I say that to declare it because if you're listening in Vancouver in two hours when it's four o'clock in the morning in Vancouver, you're going to Google it. You're like, Chris is crazy. He doesn't even know what time it is. But as of broadcast time, <laughs> that's why we don't tell the time on the show because it becomes yeah. confusing. Um, but that's what it is yeah. to answer your question. There you go. Um, I still love Cinnabon. So what's going on in your, uh, what's going on in the world? <laughs> what's going on in your world? <laughs> <laughs> um, Where are we going on the international dispatch today, Chris? Uh, South Africa. We're going to South Africa. Because, um, you know, we we I don't really go to South Africa very often. I usually go to Australia, no. New Zealand, America. So why not South Africa? And, okay, I, I don't even know where to start with this one. This is the story about amazing incompetence, like staggering levels of incompetence, enough that, just made my eyebrows raise off the top of my head. Um, so I look for stories online, and it's usually like, oh, the dog saves the school by skateboarding the safety, you know. And But really, uh, they're, or rarely, are uh, they the ones where the longer you look, the more you think, wait, what? what's going on here? <laughs> so <laughs> I want to cut straight to the chase. This concerns the government of South Africa, okay. namely their revenue agency, their, their tax agency in New Zealand, uh, our tax agency is called the uh, Inland Revenue Department, or IRD. In South Africa, it's called the South Africa Revenue Service, or... SARS. Anybody? SARS. Oh, yep, okay. Oh, jeez. So uh, Canada's yeah. CRA is called SARS in South Africa. <laughs> yeah, the South Africa Revenue Service, or SARS. So Yikes. we're off to a great start. Okay, <clears throat> I'm following. Um, this is going to take a little bit of explaining, so bear with me for a second. But you, you can't make this stuff up. The problem is with their online filing system. So their, their tax agency, their, their filing system where you do your paperwork, where you do your tax returns, where you make complaints, anything to do an online form, which you know our, ta our tax agencies more and more these days are shifting everything online. Everything you do, all of the forms online until recently, has used Adobe Flash. Right. Can anybody... <laughs> Matt's face just lit up. Can anybody see the problem here? Yeah. So many. Oh, Low my. Tech. It's yeah. so okay. dangerous. So as of, well, as of, as of January uh, this year, yes. Adobe has stopped yes. supporting Flash in general. Yes. So you can still have it on your computer, but there's no new updates coming. It's kind of the Windows 95 of websites. And Adobe yeah. sent out alerts. They're like, hey, you can uninstall this. There are new solutions for this. You don't need it on yeah. your machine anymore. Make it go away. We're done with it. And you're telling me and the government's Windows still using well. it. Yeah, yeah Windows, Windows is like, we're not even going to. Yeah, exactly. And like, it's, it's gone Windows the way 95. of Netscape and Shockwave <laughs> and everything. It's just gone. 
Um, <laughs> Adobe Flash does not exist anymore. What are you doing? So, long story short, what do they do? It's, it's December, <laughs> sorry, it's, it's December 2020, it's January 2021. All of your online forms are still using Flash. What do you do? Do you switch to HTML5, which has been the plan for the last, 20, uh, last 12 years? No. You make a new browser which does support Flash for people to access SARS. So SARS, the South African Revenue Agency, has done the most amazing workaround Band-Aid of all time, which is to create a new web browser so people oh can God. use Flash. Wow, that seems like an awful lot of more work. So download our new browser, so then you can use our website. Any questions? <laughs> what could possibly uh, go wrong? Uh, never, but like, never been more look, grateful love, for uh, Justin Trudeau. I can tell you that much. Well, yeah. At least we have that. What, like, at least they can play Flash games, I guess, online. They so yeah. they have that at least. But man, yeah, no, I'm actually quite jealous of that. They can still go to the um, the Cartoon Network time machine and, and play that one where you're Hee Haw McGraw and you play horse with the basketball. I wish I could still do that. Actually, I might down download their new browser just so I can do that. But I want to quickly cover the timeline here. So apparently, very quickly, we'll get some audio, but like modernization, they talk about modernization in these clips. And I think that is, uh, it's very hard to piece together what happened. But in 2007, it seemed like they began the transition from Adobe Flash for their filing system to HTML, and now HTML5. 2015 rolls around. Eight years later, SARS gets a new chief. He abandons the modernization. No idea why. He just said he can't, quote, operate in the department. Um, so eight years passes, 20, 2007 to 2015, nothing happens. So I'm going to play a clip now. This is a guy, uh, he's a, a tax expert, um, I think, in South Africa. His name is Andre Bothma, and I found him on YouTube. And he's kind of doing a, a quick summary. This is a longish clip, but he does a summary of, of the timeline um, from about 2017 onwards. So fast forward a bit to July 2017. This is 10 years after the, moder the modernization idea was mentioned and Adobe actually announced that they will, that they will no longer support uh, Adobe Flash Player and that it will be discontinued from December 2020 onwards. So this gives you an idea that SARS knew about, about Flash Player that's, that was going to be discontinued. And just a year later, literally a year later in October 2018, SARS goes like, woo, listen, we've got a problem because, because the whole SARS website, everything since 2008 till October 2018, that's 10 years, all the forms are still or were still in Adobe Flash Player. Woo. Yep. Woo. Yep. <laughs> So, I did some digging around, and the problem seems to really start from 2018, where they got a new chief, they got a new uh, head of digital and IT, and so they really had two years to urgently turn this thing around, and they didn't. So the question here is, what the hell went wrong? So I did some digging, and I found this clip, this is from SABC News in South Africa, from 2018, um, it's... it's might <laughs> it's a bizarre interview with um, the chief digital and IT from SARS 
And this might, this lady is amazing. This might hold some clues as to um, what went wrong. I'm joined from our Pretoria studios now by SAR's Chief Officer for Digital and IT, Mamete Makeke Mukwane. Thanks so much for speaking to us this morning. Thank you, ma'am, and good morning. So if we could perhaps just start uh, by explaining to lay people like ourselves what exactly this modernization program entails and why it was halted. I joined SARS uh, about mm -hmm. a year ago and mm -hmm. of course my understanding of, of modernization is to automate uh, processes including mm -hmm. how people do things. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I'm not in a position to answer how it was and why it was halted. Uh, my I like doing things. Oh. Oof. Uh, yeah. Is your computer plugged in? <laughs> Turn it off and on again. <laughs> I, I just want to imagine that like anybody from um, your, your provincial government, uh, wherever you are in Canada, or, or your federal government, um, the head of your local tax agency, or any agency really, um, you log on and you can't do anything to do with your taxes or your income or, or anything anymore. And uh, the head of digital and IT who is responsible for this comes on TV and says, well, their job is to help people do things uh, so they can't take any responsibility or answer anything. Wow. Amazing. Amazing. And um, it, it kind of, she kind of digs herself deeper. Um, here's another clip of, of her. Is e-filing on the verge of collapse or not? Definitely not. Let me explain. Um, currently, e-filing and the forms are, are using Adobe. Okay. Now, Adobe mm. is getting out of support in 2020. We are she trying no to move on. all our what what you'd see on your paper forms we want to put it on a digital platform they want to put paper on the internet that's her job that's what she thinks she's doing <laughs> she wants to take your paper she wants to put your paper on the internet and she has two years to put all of your paper on the internet <sighs> so yeah that, that was my exasperated sigh um but yeah no it's just in incredible incredible incompetence and and the thing that that is probably most astounding to me about this story is that that news agency kind of agrees with me that this is absolutely insane that this person can't be in charge of this handover from um adobe which is going to die in two years to html5 they realized her answers were ridiculous so on the news that same interviewer did a fake interview with a man in a pink shirt wearing a long red wig pretending to be the person who was just speaking, the, the head of digital and IT. And they actually, this like, um, can I say, take the, they, they took the on, you know, like, they absolutely destroyed her or like on, on the news show. So if we could so, perhaps just start uh, by explaining to lay people like ourselves what exactly this modernization program entails and why it was halted. Ma'am. I joined SARS in 2017, 
Modernization was started in 2007. In a company, you must insource, outsource, hot sauce, tomato sauce, mustard sauce, and also centralize, decentralize, middle center, Carlton center, and so on and so forth. I'm not in a position to answer. Yeah, <laughs> on the news. On the news. That? Bravo. Oh. I can I couldn't believe it. I was I was <laughs> Imagine if Global did that. Imagine if Global just put someone in a fake beard and pretending to be Trudeau on the news, just taking the Mickey out of him. If you're uh, if amazing. you're um that desperate though, I mean guess I kinda don't blame them, right? Like holy cow. Yeah. yeah I I'm just like like I, I saw the headline which was like a government agency has rolled out its own web browser, which is amazing enough because it, it screwed up the transition. And then I just saw this news story, and then I saw them having a guy in a wig on the news pretending to be her. And then I was just like, I, I don't, I don't understand any. I don't think I understand this story. I don't know what the story is about anymore. <laughs> I guess if we're to take away anything from this, is that it's really difficult and harder than it looks to take all that paper and put it on the internet. It is. <laughs> That's what it's about. That is hard. Yeah. Scanning takes a long time. <laughs> scanning. <laughs> oh my God. Don't you get the feeling that that's exactly what they're doing? They're like scanning it and doing like little draw boxes so they can put in their info on like well, Acrobat. Well, that's, that's the reason that um, fax machines still exist in Japan. Do you know about this, about fax machines? There's fax machines everywhere here. They still use faxes. And the reason really? is there's just so much paper from like the 80s and 90s, and it's just continued that like to, to transfer the whole system to digital would just take way too long. And so to share, they still have to share paper around, and so everyone still uses fax machines here. You can go to wow. a restaurant and see a fax being printed out. It's insane. Wild. Insane. I'm sure some people have faxes in their cars <laughs> over there. That'd be all right. What? Yeah, have a fax like machine a fax in your car. Player. Oh, I thought. Oh, like I, mounted in the like I in really, your dash. <laughs> I would really hope that they keep the fax in the back seat, though. You can have a fax in your car. This is the Shift Podcast. Hey Ryan, is your stove under your bunker too? Question from JoJo. <laughs> no. I have a kitchen. It's not that small of an apartment, thankfully. We actually have a pretty good uh, oven and stove and supplies. Um, it's just my room, my room, that is absurdly small, but making it work. Uh, Ryan's Ryan's dinner has been like the taking over the Good News Tuesday stream today. Achievement unlocked for Ryan. Nice video game joke. Well timed. Well ding, placed. Ding. <laughs> Uh, what is craft dinner? LMA, uh, LMAO laughing my hairs off. Um, Wait, really? I guess, um, well, if you never had craft dinner, it's a delicious cheese pasta that is the staple mm -hmm. of many Canadian kids' diets when they're mm -hmm. growing up. I have made it far too many times, but mm -hmm. the thing with craft dinner is you have to find out how to make it in your own way. For me, it's disgusting. I make mine and then leave it in a thermos for a day, let the cheese like get absorbed into the noodles, and then I eat it. And it's way That's better. Weird. Really? But that took time to figure out. 
and maybe cut like some hot day. dogs in there too. I think it took a day to figure out, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I I used to put I used to put taco meat with my craft dinner. That was my secret. Oh, that's a good idea. Right, you make taco meat, and then you just like a ham- hamburger helper style, mix it all together. And my mom was like, "You can buy that in a box. It's called hamburger helper." I'm like, "This is way better." Anyway, that was my first creation. Um, hey, gang, I have great news. My father contracted COVID-19 three weeks ago. I brought him home on Monday at the age of 89. I'm the luckiest guy on the planet from Randy. Randy. Unbelievable, man. Thanks for sharing that story. Good news. That's, yeah, very, very lucky there. Good news indeed. Good news! <laughs> uh, Randy's dad uh, making it home. Anthony on the 401, my good news is it's snowing like crazy in Quebec, so I did not have to drive a train today. 101, he drives truck. Uh, 101 kilometers per hour all the way there and back, and I'm back early, so I'll spend some time with my girlfriend before she has to get up and go to work. That is good news. Yeah. Thanks for the uh, text, Anthony. Yeah, good news for Anthony's girlfriend. Good news! Good news for Anthony. <laughs> Too we determined or not if she wants to be woken up early. <laughs> Good news. This is Blue Man. I got moved to my new team at my work. I got away from my lunatic team lead. He is a complete a-hole. Well, good news. I guess. Yeah. Uh, I, well, it's good to, you know, move to a different department and, you know, have a saner, you know, leader and to also publicly uh, bash the old one. So good news. Here we go. Good news. Uh, good news, not snowing at all north of Airdrie. Beautiful up here, Trucker Kevin. Thank you very much, Trucker Kevin, for that one. Catherine says, salsa with sweet basil with KD. Ooh, hmm. whoa. Yeah, definitely. Hmm. Craft dinner recipes. Craft dinner recipes, writing that down for the cookbook. Yep. That'll be half the book. Right? <laughs> yeah, I'm okay with that. Man, how do you make your craft dinner? Ryan says you got to make it special, unique, just for yourself. Ryan leaves it in a thermos for a whole day. It's <laughs> weird. Little you don't cheese. add anything else into it? Just, Nothing? Just turns into sludge. No, no cat. Yeah. Like, seriously, allowing the cheese to, is ferment the right word here? I don't know. I don't know what Congeal? the word is. Congeal onto the noodles is just insane. But you know what I've never done is have those noodles with fresh Katie sauce on it. Hmm. that'd be horrible for you but probably amazing see but it's there, fun to come up with these ideas there was a there was a time where uh, costco was selling the jugs of craft dinner powder the cheese powder so you could make craft dinner out of any noodle you wanted i don't know if they do that anymore okay kd with manwich sauce or even better nochi nice. wow capital w-o-w mm. even even um yeah, thank you for that. Um, that's from Ian. Appreciate it. All right, Glenn says this. Glenn says homemade mac and cheese, and you mix in a can of cream of mushroom soup. Hmm. Ooh, ooh, la la. I could make you could make that work. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Unnamed text says Katie salad. Add frozen peas to Katie. Chill and add mayo, tuna. If desired. And not not any of that fake tuna, some of that real tuna. The real tuna, yeah. The real tuna from a can. Blue fins. <laughs> All right. Craft dinner goulash. 
hamburger with onions and tomatoes, well cooked, added to the KD after it's all mixed. It's winner, winner, winner. That's KD that's a, that's top tier right there. Mm-hmm. That's what you. That's the one, hey. That, that sounds pretty. The, actually, the basil and salsa one is the one I want to try the most from Catherine so far of all of these. But keep coming. I want to hear more. Yeah, Angel right. sounds very substantial. Like you'll definitely get mm-hmm. filled up. Yeah, and warm. I like on a cold winter day, kind of warm. Mm-hmm. Um, Trucker Kevin says, craft dinner mixed with tuna, then bake it with a layer of jack cheese on top. Oh, yeah. Sounds, it's like a tuna casserole kind of thing. If you put some you know, panko or crushed crackers or breadcrumbs on top and bake it, brown that sucker. All right. I make homemade craft dinner. It's elbow noodles with a white sauce with butter, flour, milk. Then add as much cheese as you like and stir in the noodles. All right. Lots. I didn't know that this was such a science. It is. Um, Katie, a can of flaked tuna and a generous shot of ranch dressing. Oh. Ooh, that one makes me Ranch shudder. and cheese mm. goes... Mm-hmm. Ranch it, would here's not the thing. like that. No, ranch loves ranch <laughs> no. would not like that. Uh, there, there's a if you do if you don't I don't know if we've heard from Ranch uh, lately, Ryan, but we have a listener. His name's Ranch, and Ranch hates Ranch is how he signs all of his text messages because of a conversation about Ranch dressing. Oh. Um, the way you make Kitty in a thermos, it infuses the cheese. Says the text. There it is. Infuses. Yes, I'm an infuser. <laughs> uh katie well, i like this this is this is the best one of all this is where we're gonna leave it for now the best katie uh res, res, uh, recipe katie with minced pork charcuterie topped with sweet tomato reduction oh <laughs> <laughs> oh also no, also known as hot dogs and ketchup (laughs) (laughs) yes a nice a nice reduction of tomato paste on top it's just a a nice spice to your dinner that's what i you should just that's what it's coming out across as and i love it craft dinner and wieners michelle from woodville also says um craft dinner with hot dogs all the way absolutely can't go wrong let's keep Let's keep it in the slum, my friends. That's where this belongs for me. Craft dinners and wieners. It's just that simple. The biggest question is, do you barbecue the wieners or do you boil the wieners? That's really the only question in this conversation. Winner, winner, Katie dinner. Leftover Katie, fried, crispy, also Katie with relish, nom, nom from Joanne. My goodness, I had no idea. Yeah. There is this other text that says, you can get craft cheese powder at Bulk Barn. Really? That changes everything. That's some good information to know. Also, I'm going to uh, just pick to right now to say that I do not like craft dinner. Wow. <laughs> I love that you've mentioned that at the like near the end of this conversation, but I appreciate the honesty. And, you know, it's uh, we are on a culinary expedition. That's what we're on right now. Also, wow. someone just suggested I put spam in craft dinner. Absolutely. Tina in Calgary. There you go. That's, that's a great idea. It's Good nice. News Tuesday-ish. Let's combine some of this conversation here a little bit and celebrate some good news. Good news, everyone. It's about time for some good news. Tell me something good. 877-399-9898. Ken is in Calgary. Ken, what's your good news? 
My good news is, well, first of all, your partner there who's uh, had his dad in the hospital and he came home and he's 89 years old. Mm-hmm. And now he's resting at home. And I think that's good, great news, not good news. I, believe, I agree with you. You're right. And I'd like to come in second. I was in the hospital for seven weeks Whoa. with an infection. And uh, they kicked me out finally because I said, we can't do anything more for you. You're too good. <laughs> so I came back, and uh, I, my doctor told me after my examination, you don't need glasses, and you uh, did good on all the rest of my tests that I gave you, and you're in good shape for a guy that's going on 85. 85, Ken. Yeah. That is great news, Matt. Before I you tell us more here, so Ken. I'm proud of myself. Yeah, I, you I know what, I'm glad. Wish your, your partner's father good health. Yeah, thank you very much, Ken. We celebrate that with the song. Matt, that is um, also great news for Ken. Hi. Great news. I, I listen to you guys every night. Yeah, thank you, Ken. I appreciate that. Um, Ken, did you have anything to contribute about craft dinner as well? Is that a, or are you done now? Yeah, I'd like to pass on to the craft liver. You know, like uh, craft dinner, not a craft liver. Uh, I, <laughs> I haven't had it for years because they changed something on it and I didn't like it. But it was a different brand. It wasn't the Kraft Dinner. Well, but I, uh, I like uh, thick head cheese sliced about a quarter of an inch, and then I chop it up, and I mix that in with my head cheese or my Kraft Dinner. Wow. That, yeah. is the, that is the biggest, boldest recipe we've heard so far. Ken, hey, thank you so much for the phone call. I appreciate it. All right. You too. I'm glad you're feeling better and healthy, man. Um, Ken from Calgary right there, 877-399-9898. Um, it's, okay, so just to be clear, head cheese is not dairy. It's a meat jelly made with flesh from uh, the head of a calf or a pig, or less commonly a sheep or a cow. Mm. Just saying. That's why I was wow. yep, holding back my gags there. That's bold. Hey, Ken, if you love it, you love it. I'm glad you could celebrate uh, that with us. Can we celebrate with the good news song there, Matt, just for the sake of you know, celebrating the fact that Ken's 85 and he's out of the hospital and feeling good? That is always great news and good news. Good news! All right, let's go to Winnipeg. Say hi to Robert. Robert, um, you quickly, brother, tell us your Katie stuff story. Uh, well, first of all, both running by the pink, the, the orange one, and the white cheddar as well for the powder. Oh, okay. And okay, also, a good. Uh, good hangover, KD, is KD with some salsa, hash browns, bacon, and egg on top. Really, hey? That's like a... Good hangover like a, food. Yeah, like a, a mixer. What would you call that? Like a, a mixer platter. That's that sounds Combination so good. platter. Combination platter. Thank you very much for the call, Robert, and the KD stuff. I appreciate it, brother. Yeah. Right on. 877-399-9898. Wow. Um... Yeah, I loathe Kraft Dinner, Texter says. It's pseudo-food. I ate too much of it when my kids were little to ever eat it again, Voluntary or Cat and Gimli. Yeah, my And girl. I would like to... Yeah, I'd see. There you go. There's your soulmate, buddy. You and Cat, soul sisters. Um, so we commented earlier about Ron, Ranch Hates Ranch, and we haven't heard from Ranch in a long time. So this, for me, is good news, this text. Still listening, my friends. Shane, you, Matt, and Ryan helped so many of us Get through these nights. Ranch still hates Ranch. Yeah. <laughs> Ranch, I'm glad you're listening. Thank you very much for the message. 
Um, that to me is good news. I love it. I love it when we have some of our contributors and, and audience shift heads that we haven't heard from in a few weeks and you're still there and you say hello. So thank you very much for that ranch. Glad, uh, glad you're there. Hey, shift kids. <laughs> nice. Hawaiian style KD loco moco. So this recipe, um, Matt, uh, posted, moved this one here onto the list. I had not seen this one. This is new to me. And I got to tell you, uh, this is one of the most mind blowing of all of the of all the recipes that I've seen on here so far, mostly because of that sort of love affair. Thank Hawaii, you. I was going to ask. Hawaiian style Katie Loco Moco layered chicken fried steak, chicken fried steak gravy, two scoops cooked Katie and one scoop chicken fried rice, two fried eggs on top. More chicken fried steak gravy all over. Attack the plate. <laughs> Delicious. Enjoy. Oh, that sounds beautiful. It's actually oh. the text because I can see the emojis. It actually says heart emoji attack on a plate. So nice. it's a heart attack. Oh, a, a heart attack dish. on a plate. <laughs> totally worth it. Totally well, worth mine it. Was, mine was far less cryptic than yours. Um, and... Uh, how beautiful is that? I would go as far as to say, you give me a Mai Tai and sprinkle a little pineapple on top of that, or at least on the side with a little pineapple salsa. You might win my heart that way, my friends. You might win my heart. 877-399-9898. This one, oh, here we go. Katie with a half pack of cheese sauce and two tablespoons of cheese Whiz plus crumbled farmer's sausage on top. Yum, random texter. Thank you, random texter. Appreciate that. Uh, thank you for also declaring that you're a random texter. <laughs> that helps us a lot. It does. Let us know. Because um, usually when we don't have a name. Hot dog in an air fryer at 10 man at 350. 10 minutes at 350. Grant and Penticton. I've never done it in the air fryer. It's hmm. a great idea. No, Katie. Hawkins cheesies if you're craving cheese. Janobi, Vancouver. Thanks, Janobi. I'm with you there. This one we will acknowledge, and we're going to move along quickly just in case. Um, but we might as well acknowledge this. It came up about hangovers in food. So I think that this would be uh, only only appropriate to do. It's from Alexander. It says, how to not get a hangover, eat a cucumber before bed. I haven't tried this yet, but I guess it has vitamins. Now, Ryan, you have a solution for a hangover that's a little different. Oh, yeah. Pop a extra strength Advil before you sleep. Drink a, like three full glasses of water. Sleep. Wake up. And the second you wake up, skip the dishes or DoorDash, whatever. Or if you can somehow drive, which make sure you're sober first. Or better yet, somebody can pick it up for you. Get a bacon slam burger from Denny's. Shove it down. You're fine. That's my recipe. I didn't used to get hangovers, like, at all. And then I turned 21, and they started, <laughs> and I needed to come up with a recipe. And it, it's it works. It really does. Um, what happens when you turn 30, Matt, with hangovers? They just keep getting worse. Mm, I don't want the, it. Your recovery time tends right. to be longer and extend into days. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and you when just you're 21 like crap. and you're out partying, I mean, you can basically get stabbed and still make it to work the next day. <laughs> when yeah. you're 30 or yeah. 40, you stub your toe when you're drinking, you're out for a week, man. 
Um, okay, so the, the original text was, try to not get a hangover, eat a cucumber before bed from Allie. Thank you very much. I don't recommend that. Uh, just in case, saying if you are really drunk and you take your cucumber to bed and then you pass out and wake up and there's a cucumber on your pillow, you're going to have questions. Thanks for listening to The Shift Podcast. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca.